Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a great big hand to praise. Good to see everybody here this morning. I just want to make an announcement or two before I get started myself. I, I just want you to know we got something special going on tonight. We're going to be having a water baptism. And actually, tonight is something that we've never done before, uh, but we're actually, we're just celebrating one of our ministries that we have here at the church. It's called Christ Way under the direction of Cassie and Dan King. Can you give them a hand clap? Aren't they doing a marvelous job, outstanding job? Uh, she was going to be having a baptism for her girls that, you know, as you know, um, she's the shepherd over them, and she said, is it okay for me? I said, well, absolutely. You need to be having a baptism for them, and they were going to go down to the river and everything. I said, man, why don't you just come to the church? She said, oh, can I do that? Well, sure you can do that. So tonight, it's all about them. They're going to be having some people graduate as well, and uh, we're just here to celebrate them. They're going to have their graduation. They're going to have their water baptism. And then if there's anybody that desired in the church to be baptized, we're going to be doing that. I think our children's church has a few to baptize and our youth department has a few to baptize as well. But we're excited about that. Today is such an unusual day. The Lord has just kind of dropped a thought into my spirit to, uh, concerning the, the message. And I thought, Lord, you know, I wasn't kind of expecting this kind of a message, especially after what the women went through last night. Just, man, I heard nothing but good reports of the great. I, when I first come in, I thought they had just decorated for me. But uh, that wasn't the case. That was leftovers from last night. Uh, but they just had a wonderful, wonderful move of the Holy Spirit. Folks, if you don't see and feel the Holy Spirit moving, then you're really blinded. The Holy Spirit is moving in these last days, and we got to get prepared and get ready for it. And I'm going to just talk to you a little bit out of the book of 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 31. And I'm going to read them passages one more time. Verse 1 says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he's talking to the brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Then verse 31, all the way, the last, we're, talk, we're reading the first verse of this chapter and the last verse. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, we have what we call the instructions by the Apostle Paul concerning spiritual gifts and the use of them within the body of Christ. And we do not have time to cover the whole chapter, but I do want to talk to you this morning of what I feel like the Holy Spirit's just kind of dropped into my spirit here today. Paul, in verse 1 of our text, makes it plain that he does not want us to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. He wants us to be educated. He wants us to understand the gifts of the Spirit. So much of the time, I heard one pastor one time say, well, you you know, the gifts of the Spirit, they're just not worth all of the hard work that it takes in order for a congregation to understand them. I cannot believe that any minister would ever say such a thing. Can I have an amen? But we do not need to be ignorant concerning the spiritual gifts of the church. If spiritual gifts were lifted or no longer in operation or unimportant to the body of Christ, and we hear people all the time say, oh, that was for back then. If that was the case, then all Paul would have had to do is dismiss them altogether, and he would have never had to teach or instructs us in the use of them in the first place. He makes it plain that he does not want us to be ignorant of the gifts and the working or the operation of them in the body, the church of Jesus Christ. That means that the body of Christ is to be operating every single service in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Can I have an Are you still Pentecostal in this church today? I feel an anointing of the Spirit of God. Amen. I got a few cheerleaders. I think I'll go back in that corner and preach. There's energy back there. 
But he says in the last verse of the chapter of our text, verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts and I show unto you a more excellent way. First of all, he actually encourages the church to covet earnestly the best gifts. The word covet and earnestly reveals that Paul wants us to have a holy ambition to discover, to uncover, to accept, and to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. This speaks that there ought to be a passionate desire of all believers for the gifts of the Spirit to be operating in each and every one of our lives. This gift stuff is not for the pastor only. Matter of fact, some time ago, way back several years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm gonna quit using you in the gifts for a season. Everybody's looking to you and they're just uh, just sitting back just thinking that you'll take care of everything. I want this body to understand something. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is not just for the pastor. It's not just for the council. It's not just for an elite group of people in the church. It's not just for men, but it's for women. It's for children. I want you to understand it's for this whole body. This whole body has access to the Holy Spirit to where you as a Christian, as a believer, those that sanctified in Christ can be used of the Holy Spirit. But Paul actually wants the church to be in hot pursuit of these gifts and understand their importance. Did you hear that? Not only to be in hot pursuit of it, but to understand their importance. How many believes that the gifts of the Spirit are important? They're necessary, amen? He actually uses the word covet in order to describe the intensity of desire that we are to have in seeking for these gifts. When I began to really study this in the context, I felt guilty myself because let me tell you something. When he used that word covet, I wanna tell you that puts a big responsibility upon us as a body of Christ. Hebrews, uh, the Hebrew word for covet is found in the book of Exodus 20, 17, and this is when it, Moses said, thou shalt not covet writing, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thou shalt not covet thy na- neighbor's manservants, nor his maidservants, nor his oxes, donkeys, nor anything of thy neighbor's. The Hebrew word here used in the word covet is for the, the, for the word covet is the, the, the strongest word that there is to describe the full depth of the word desire. And I want to tell you, when you really uncover what this means, it'll make you feel a little guilty and it'll convict you. It is even a stronger word than that ugly word called lust that we always talk about. That word lust means an unholy desire, an unlawful craving, a misdirected passion, and an unholy, overwhelming zeal. Lust is when a man desires something to the point of a that of a point of having a heated, hot passion for it. It's like an overwhelming, uh, uh, overwhelming feeling for it. In other words, have you ever heard someone use the term, man, they're just burned with lust? How many's ever heard that term? Man, they're just burning with lust. And let me tell you, that is a powerful, powerful uh, tool, that word lust, uh, that the enemy uses against us. However, the word covenant carries desire even to a greater level than that of lust. The word covet here actually means more than hot, boiling, passionate desire like that of lust. Now, lust, how many's ever lusted before? We all have. We've lusted everything. It just where you just set on fire. It's just something that's consuming you. It's just burning on you. And you want it so, so, so bad. As a matter of fact, I have some of that going on. I have to crucify about every night at 11 o'clock when pancakes come to my mind. 
Can I have an amen? And sometimes I lose out by the craving of it. But that's lust. It's powerful. It's a craving. It's an appetite. It's a boiling hot desire. But yet covet carries it even to a farther, farther reaching, serious thing. The word covet here actually means means to covet, to mean to plan, to scheme, to plot, and to pursue what is desired. It's not only wanting it, it's you begin to put it into action. You begin to say, how can I get it? I got a plan, I got a scheme, I got a plot. I've told you this story before about the ding-dongs getting a hold of me one night and I was craving them so bad and I planned and I plot and I slipped out of the house and went to Walmart and got me some. But I wanna tell you something, folks. Truthfully and honestly, let me remind you that it was the Apostle Paul that said, covet earnestly these best gifts. That we're not just a person that sits back and is envious of people that's got it and we want it and we're desiring them to the point of lust, but it's more than that. It's that God, Paul said, let it go to the place of covet. In other words, to where you begin to put a plan in motion in order to receive that which you desire. Oh, come on, somebody. Help me preach right here. He even went on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39, in our text, he said, covet earnestly the best gifts, but then in verse 39, he says, wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Right in the middle of that, he even tells the church, covet to prophesy. In other words, don't just want it, go after it. Come on, somebody. It's not good enough that we want something. We gotta go after it. We gotta pursue it. We gotta put a plan in motion. We gotta, we gotta say, whatever it takes, I gotta have that. I want that. I desire, I'm hungry for that. Oh, it's more than just sitting there burning with lust and being envious and watching other people flow in the gifts. It's like, uh-oh, they've sparked me to jealousy. I want that. I gotta have that for myself. I want that in order that I might be able to be all pleasing in the sight of God that God can use me for his. Oh, somebody help me preach. God's wanting to pour out his Holy Spirit. God wants the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow in the church. Oh, hallelujah. My, 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 I feel like I could just stop right now and shout and dance a jig. But the Greek word in the New Testament for covenant means to delight in. Oh, I delight in this. I want this. It means to look at them as precious. That the gifts are not something as if you can choose it or not choose it. You can pick it or not pick it. It's no big deal. You look at them as valuable, as precious, as treasure. Come on, somebody. You look at it as Oh my, I can't live without that. Amen? It's, it's more than just to wish for, but it's to be desirous, to long for, to ache for it. Amen? It also carries with it the idea of going after it and pursuing it. Covet is an action word that puts desire into action. It means to put it into motion, to go after it. Actually places it in the context that one cannot live without this. It's a burning desire and it's eating us up. Whoo, how many's being ate up like that for the gifts of the Spirit? 
So what Paul is saying is desire spiritual gifts to the point that you pursue them, you go after them, you put yourself in motion to get them, you put them in the place you need to be in order to obtain them. How many of us is actually pursuing spiritual gifts like that? I want to tell you, how many of us truly hunger after, crave for the Holy Spirit to empower us and use us in the gifts of the Holy Ghost? This is the reason that there's little to none of the gifts working in the body of Christ today in this 21st century. There's a lack of passion, desire, zeal for the holy things of God. We don't look at them as necessary. We don't look at them as value. We kind of come into the service and say, well, we know how to make things done. We get things done. We got a medical, mechanical form of religion that we go through and we know how to push the right buttons and we know how to hit the high notes and we know how to pick the right songs and we know protocol. I want to tell you, all of those things are good, but it's not good enough. You got to have order, but order in itself is not enough. Can I have an Amen. The Bible makes it clear in Matthew 5 and 6, blessed are those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they're the ones that's going to be filled. It seems that we can crave, desire, burn with passion for worldly things, but when it comes to things of the Spirit, a lot of times we lack in our pursuit and our zeal and passion desire for them. We see people becoming desirous of things to the point that they crave, they increase with hot intensity, they boil to the point of desire, they set themselves in motion to obtain that which they want, It's all they can talk about. It consumes them. It's just, you get around them, that's all that they want to share with you. And we see it happening with cars and homes and land and worldly things all the time. They don't only become lustful, but they begin to covet and they're putting their lust in motion to get regardless of what the cost is. I want that. I don't care if it bankrupts us. I don't care if we can't afford it. I don't care. I don't care if it's going to put us in a hardship. I don't care that my children's got to do without. I got to have that new car. And they go after it and they do it all the time. America is so overloaded with debt all because we're out here chasing things that we've allowed passion to turn into lust and lust then turns into covetousness, which we go after it. Can I have an, And that's for worldly things. The passion for it begins to consume them to the point that they begin to scheme, plot, plan, pursue until they get what they want, even if they have to manipulate, lie, cheat, steal, whatever to get it. Their passion fuels and sparks them to action. It, sen- it sets a flame inside of them that creates an unstoppable intensity of desire. That's what God's wanting to happen in this place to you in a spiritual way. God is literally want to set inside of you a flame that is unstoppable, that creates an intensity of desire that cannot be quenched. I gotta have it, I gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it. I'm gonna have it, I'm gonna have it, I'm gonna get it, I got it. It's going to the place, I gotta have it, I want it, I gotta have it, to, to get to getting it to possessing it, to having ownership of it. That's what, hallelujah, that's what God wants in this place. Our passion fuels and sparks or should spark us to action. Matter of fact, you know, you remember, there are just times that things get a hold of you to the point of no return. Amen? When it gets you to a certain level, there's just no, you're gonna follow through with it. Amen? And I had one of those cravings last night. 
I, am I the only one that goes through this kind of stuff? Y'all look at me like, amen. 15 to 12. And I want to tell you, toast and syrup was calling my name. My kitchen is possessed of the devil. I hear voices, kid, kid. And then it throws images at me. Amen? And what's really bad is when you're sitting in the living room watching television in a commercial, come on. And it'll be a hot, juicy cheeseburger. Amen? But there's sometimes if you flirt around with that long enough, it's going to bite you. It's going to get you. I want to tell somebody under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, some of you people that are withdrawn, skeptical, a little bit, you know, I don't know about this thing. You mess around it with long enough. It's going to get you. <laughs> God's already got an appointed assignment for the church. He's already got an appointed deal for this church. You keep coming, honey. You may not understand it. You may not under, understand everything in the workings of it, but I want to tell you, you float around with it long enough, it's going to get on you, and then it's going to start driving you, and then there's going to be an intensity of desire. There's going to be a hot, boiling passion. There's going to be a lust of the things of the Spirit, and then all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself pursuing and wanting and desiring to the point of partaking Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, just let it happen right now. Just let it happen right now. Hallelujah. See, we've been doing a lot of things around here. We've been praying. We've been worshiping. We've been doing a lot of sacrificing. We've been doing everything we know to do and begging and pleading and beseeching the Lord. And there's a remnant that's held true to that. And they've sacrificed. They've been fasting. People have been fasting. And 
The Lord just wanted me to tell this congregation that you're at the point of no return, that you've come too far, that he won't allow you to turn back now and get ready because those gifts are gonna start operating freely and openly throughout the church. Hallelujah. This thing kind of like works to describe it in a natural way with like David and Bathsheba. When David went out on the balcony one day and he looked up and there's this beautiful woman undressing, getting in the bathtub. Wow, he begins to lust after her. All of a sudden, the lust begins to get hotter and hotter and hotter and the desire begins stronger and he'd go out the next time, knew exactly what time she took baths and he would watch and whoo, he would sit there and sweat and crave and want and desire the beauty of that woman and then all of a sudden, the lust just got too strong and it goes to the next level of coveting. He then begins to send his servant after her to bring her to his house. He says, I can't do without that. I gotta have that. So he went, he schemed as a king. He knew that the invitation of the king, she had to come. And so he sends his servant out to go invite her to his house and it's then that adultery is committed. That was done in a bad way. But I want to tell you what's happening in the body. There's something that's happening in this body that is very healthy. And that is that God has sent waves and God has sent signs and God has sent little bitty portions of this and that. And all of a sudden, people are getting a little hungry and desirous. And they're looking at it. And all of a sudden, something's beginning to stir inside of them. Say, oh, I got to have a little bit more of that. Amen. I remember the first time that I, I, I was... Uh, I was wanting to not skip a meal. And dad said, you're going to eat this meal. So I said, dad, I don't like that. He said, yeah, you're going to eat it. And it was catfish. I said, I don't like fish. And I was a little bitty boy. And he said, take a bite of it. I took a bite of it. And 10 pounds later, I stopped eating. And I want to tell you right now, sometimes there are people that say they don't want it, that they, 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 they don't really care for it. All you got to do is just put a little bit of drop on them. Just, just somehow put just a little bit of a taste in them. Just get them to acquire of it just a little bit. Then all of a sudden, hmm, that wasn't too bad. I, I think I'll try another piece. And, and then before long, you're going to a little bit better level of it. And before long, there's an intensity, an overwhelming desire. There's a pull. There's a push. There's a draw. There's something inside that's aching said I can't live without this I gotta have more of this it consumes your thinking it consumes your mind it takes over your body it takes over everything inside of you and before long you begin to plead with God oh God let me taste and see that the Lord is good oh, hallelujah I doubt seriously if I get done with this sermon huh. Paul didn't just use the word covet, but he also used the word covet earnestly. Wow. The word earnestly in the Greek word here means to have warmth of feeling for, to want to be jealous over, or to be zealous. I looked at that. Now, we know jealousy in the flesh is cruel as the grave, but jealousy in the spirit's a wonderful thing. Can I have an amen? To be jealous for something means you want it more than anyone else, you want it to the point that of ownership until you own it for yourself, you'll not be happy. It's like the guy has got the brand new Cadillac, you can ride in it all you want, but it ain't gonna fulfill you until you put the keys in behind it and drive it for yourself. Can I have an amen? This is the kind of desire that we are to have for the gifts of the Spirit. We're not to be jealous in the sense that we don't want it for anyone else. That's, that's unholy desire but we're to want them to the point that we refuse to do without them. 
if they are for us, then we are to be zealous for them and jealous if we don't get them. Other words, if Joe has them, and they're for me also, then I want them. Amen? And what God's doing right now, he's beginning to fall on people. And you know what it's doing? It's setting a spark, it's setting a spark, a spark of fire in the different people groups and the different, uh, uh, the different areas of the church. And that fire is communicable. Before long over here, old brother Terry Lawrence will get a touch. And before long over here, Bill Marvin will get a touch. And before long over here, brother Mike Boggus will get a touch. And over here, somebody else will get a touch. And what happens, everybody around them begins to watch and observe and feel. And it sets in motion then thought patterns to whether or not do I want to believe this or, and accept this or reject this. Or it sets in there, man, every, every time, at first it might be, I don't know if I agree with that, but the more you're around it, the more attractive it becomes. Come on. I'm trying to help somebody here today that's struggling with these things called Pentecost and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, I've, I've seen people come in that have a total different teaching than us, and man, they go through a lot of different emotions, you know. They go through a lot because they've never been taught in the things of the gifts of the Spirit and the operations of them and all of that. And all of a sudden, it's just like, and then some of the myths that they've heard are no more true than a man on a moon. Come on now. Some of the lies about Pentecost are not true. And they begin to figure it out and they begin to see the results and they begin to see the blessings of these things called gifts in motion. And before long, they desire that which they know nothing about. And then they're on the road to discovery at that point. But we are to want, desire the spiritual gifts because Paul made it plain. Although out of this chapter, they are ne all throughout this chapter, he says they're necessary and they're needful for the body. He tells us in verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Why? So I can show you a more excellent way. Did you know it's only by the spirit that the way to excellence is found? The gifts provide a better way to live. A more productive, a more fruitful, a more prosperous, a more spiritual way. You and I need the gifts of the Holy Spirit because Paul said they're profitable. Without the Spirit, we can do nothing, but it's only through the power of the Spirit that the supernatural manifests itself in power and glory. It's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's why that Paul said in verse seven of that same chapter, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Hallelujah. Now, not only is it given to the church, the body, it's given to every individual, it says, by the spirit so that that man can profit and that the church can profit by him. Amen. There is profit in the gifts of the Spirit and they bring blessing to everybody that receives and works in those gifts. A church void of spiritual gifts is like a sailboat without any wind. It's like clouds without any rain. It's like well without any waters. And when you begin to look between the two verses of our text, you're gonna see 31 verses that's devoted to the importance and the workings of the nine gifts of the Spirit. 
And what concerns me in this 21st century church is the its ability to mimic, to copy, and manufacture results that resemble spiritual gifts without having any substance. Let me explain. You can find well-organized, planned program churches that's well-groomed, polished, they have, and they have protocol, and everything they do has a touch of excellence with it. The atmosphere is exciting. The mood is refreshing. The place is inviting, and its service is inspiring, and its setting is creative. And it's what you would call the in crowd or the happening place. The place is filled with people. It draws in its presentation, but yet there's no real substance or depth spiritually found among that congregation. Come on. I'm gonna make a statement. I'll probably close. I'm feeling checked of the Holy Spirit. But the apostate church is so close and similar nowadays to the apostolic church that it's very hard to distinguish between the two and this ought not to be. Amen? I wanna tell you, you ought to be able to look and say, that's the real deal. There shouldn't be this closeness like wheat and tares growing together and you can't tell the two apart. And that's where we're at in this 21st century. In the apostate church, it's almost like watching a Hollywood production. Let me just kind of phrase it like that. It's glamorous in its content. It moves and stirs emotions of people. It's motivational in its approach. It inspires and builds up self-esteem and it causes things to seem so real and wonderful around them. And what it really creates more than anything is a feel-good environment. Well, let me just stop right there and say this. We're not about a feel-good environment. Sometimes we need a good old shaking and a good old whipping and a good old conviction of the Holy Ghost. Can I have an amen? They operate, it's kind of like the tears of a professional actor who can move and affect a whole crowd by making tears seem so real and it sets the mood and the tone of the whole atmosphere. Sometimes my wife gets tickled at me, we'll watch the Hallmark Channel once in a while. And I don't like that very much, but there'll be a movie on. She'll come on, we're gonna watch it or whatever. She'll put a different movie on. And all of a sudden she's saying, are you crying? They move you, Amen. Yet on close examination, it's nothing but put on, acting, mere human talent, and yet it has such a strong appeal upon humanity and its flesh. Are you with me? I compare the apostate church to Pharaoh's magicians in the book of Exodus. When God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, he sent signs and wonders before Pharaoh to convince them, let his people go. He does this through sending 10 plagues, as you all know, upon the nation of Egypt, of Egypt to reveal his power. However, Pharaoh's magicians could mimic, could copy some of those plagues, and they done it through trickery, magic, strong delusions, deceit, falsehood, and things of that nature. So they could make something appear that wasn't real. Can I have an Amen. And they did it in order to deceive people and cause them to believe in something that was false and get them to buy into an image instead of the real deal. They had a form. Amen? They done it in order to make them to appear, to appear to be something they weren't and to have something that they didn't have. 
They could disguise or conceal the real working behind what they were doing and they persuaded and moved whole people groups to embrace and accept a form and an image that appeared to be something of substance but was nothing but empty clouds and empty wells. I don't know how much further I can go here, but Jude verse 12, chapter one, verse 12, reveals these kinds of people. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, conviction, clouds that are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit wither, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Now, there's a lot to preach on there, but I'm just going to give you a general explanation and an overview of this verse, and it simply states this. These people put on the pretense that they had something to offer by their feast of charity, but they were without fruit and could not give anything because they were clouds without water, therefore they had nothing to offer. They were empty vessels, though active in feast of charity, but they were carried about by winds tossed to and fro, and they were not led by the Spirit. That's what he's saying. In other words, they were talented, but they weren't transformed. That everything they'd done, they'd done by human ingenuity. They come in and designed and programmed and planned and ordered and schemed. And through raw human talent, they were able to get up and put on an appearance as if this is a spiritual church. And while they went through their machinery and while they went through their tradition and while they become nothing more than raw religious people, what happened was as they gathered, the people got trapped into a feel-good service of being entertained by the talent and the ingenuity of a man. And before long, you would find then that people would get up and walk out feeling good about the sin that they lived in. Never challenged, never convicted, but I go to church. I'm a Christian, and they don't even know what a Christian means. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They said in their traditional services, they sing spiritual songs, they do spiritual things, they take up tithes and offering, but the service is orchestrated by raw talent and God doesn't put his favor or a stamp of approval upon it and there's nothing but the, the benefit or the reward of that service of what men can do in the way of persuasion and what men can do in the way of moving you by their raw talent. If you depended upon the raw talent of Kent Miller to move this church, you would be in serious trouble. I've got one good talent and that's eating. I do it very well. We can have some of the best fellowships in the world. But that's about all. I can't even play a radio right. I get static on it. I have no human, I can't sing. I hear Randy West, he makes me sick. <laughs> Sings like a, a lark man, just, just sing and plays the piano. And 
God, I'm, I'm jealous. Amen. I'm trying to be a little humorous to start, but folks, this is where a lot of churches in America are at. How do I know? Because when you get up and start preaching aggressively, they'll put the brakes on you. If the Spirit of God would move, they wouldn't even know what it was. And now we have Pentecostal churches. That's apologetic for a move of God. Makes me sick. Makes me want to throw up. We have Pentecostal churches that try to calm down, tame down, hold back the move of the fire of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because it's strange to them. They're not walking in the anointing. They don't have the anointing of God and it's foreign to them and it's something they don't understand. I'm sick of a watered down religion that has no power, that has no force. They can move you. George Jones can move you. You can listen to some of them old rock and roll songs, they'll make you cry. If you listen to some of the country songs, they'll really make you cry. You lost your dog, you lost your wife, you lost your mama. Amen. They can move you. And people are determining that that's the spirit when it's nothing more than raw talent of men. Go to Branson. They can move you. They can give you a feel-good service. But I'm here to declare to you there is a difference in talent and the transforming power of the Holy Ghost. We have preachers in our denomination that when they get up behind their pulpits, some of them hold back the flame, hold back the fire. They live in a more prestigious area and they're afraid of running their rich folk out. Because when rich folk put a lot of money in the offer plate to pay the bills, and the rich folk and those, some of those, now, I don't know why they don't think rich folk don't like the gifts of the Spirit. I don't understand that. They're the most discriminated people on the face of the earth. Everybody prejudges them to what they think. Everybody prejudges them to look down on everybody. That's not true. I know a lot of rich people that don't look down on people. They judge them, oh, they don't want the things of the Spirit. I know a lot of rich people that are hungry and starving for a move of God. Can I have an amen? But here's what's been the perception of Pentecost, and it was even on the day of Pentecost, it was clarified. Here's what the world said about the early apostles. These ignorant and unlearned men are turning our world upside down. They're ignorant, they're unlearned. Look at them, they're the wild bunch that gets out there in that fantasy world. 
I'm here to tell you, give me a bunch of ignorant and unlearned men that's not ashamed of the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. We won't have to worry about the finances. We'll not have to worry about running people off. I'll tell you what, oh, there'll be some come in not understanding and leave, but I've seen them leave and come back, leave and come back. And before long, they just can't stay away. They tried it and they seen it and they get somewhere where it's dead and they say, let's go back and check it out one more time. And they'll come I didn't like that. They'll leave and they'll, they'll keep coming and it may take 10 trips. It may take 100 trips. But before long, an eagerness, a hunger, a desire begins to set in. Unequivocally, I stand here today and say I am not ashamed to say we're Pentecostal. Let the gifts flow. Let the gifts happen. Let the power of the Spirit come down. Would you stand with me this morning? Wow, glory! I'm putting a notice out, a warning out. Some of you that's just not really understanding this. You don't know what you're gonna do with it. I gotta tell you something. You don't have a choice to what to do with it because it's done, got a hold of you. So you might as well yield and give in to it than fight it for 10 years before you finally cave over to it because it's capturing you. It's arresting you right now. Hallelujah. Folks, do you not realize how many years we've been talking about this revival? We've been talking about the end time. We've been pushing. We've been pulling. We've been prophesying. We've been declaring. We've been decreeing. And sometimes you think, well, man, what in the world's happening? Nothing seems to be happening. The Lord spoke to me this week and just said, you've broke over the threshold. Because the remnant has got the desire that cannot be quenched. And as long as I have a remnant that cannot be quenched, it'll be communicable to the rest of the world. It may take time, that's up to us. But if you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know what you got to do? Want them. Desire them. Hunger after them. He goes on in that chapter in verses 8 through 10, and he tells about one receives the spirit of faith. Another receives the gift of healing by the same spirit. Another one, a word of wisdom. Another one, the gift of discernment. Another one, tongues and interpretation. And he said, but they're all of the same spirit. And if there's one thing that's unhealthy is for men and women to chase a certain individual because they seem to possess their only gift. Oh, we got to get on the airplane and we got to fly to so-and-so so that we can get our particular, because that man, he carries the gift of so-and-so of whatever you need. That's dangerous. Because literally what happens to people like that is if no one else is being operative in the gift around them, they begin to get heady and high-minded. And before long, they become arrogant. 
careless and reckless. And what happens is they get put up on a pedestal. They get bragged on and praised and glorified by men to the point that an ego sets in. And then they get to thinking, man, I'm special. And I want to tell you there's not one of us that's special. It's the gift that is in us that's special. I'm going to give you some teaching here along with this. And the thing of it is, is if you need something in your life, seek for the gift. Seek for the gift. We got a 2014 Ford Flex. That's our main car. We get in it. You don't even have a key anymore. You just keep it in your pocket. You just push a button, boom. And when you turn on that key, air conditioning works. Woo. Hallelujah. Start going down the road, push a button, cruise control works. And yet we have people sitting in cars saying, boy, it's hot in here. Why ain't this thing going? This thing ain't no good. It ain't going nowhere. They never push the button. They never put in the key. We got people that are desirous all the time for miracles and healings and, and touches and blessings and answers. And, but they never get the key called covetousness and desire and say, I'm going to unlock the door and go beyond the veil and say, here I am, God. Give me the gift. Give it to me. Now, it may take a while for you to receive what you want, but what God will do, he'll give it to someone close to you and it'll just make you that much more jealous. Not jealous in the sense you're unhappy for them, but it'll just set you aflame, man. When I'd walk around with my pastor and I'd watch him just lay hands on people and they'd recover, I watched him do things. I thought, I gotta have that, I gotta have that, I gotta have that. I remember one night he come and he said, I was a young teenage boy. He said, I want you to go with me. And I said, where are we going? He said, we're going down to certain certain's house. I want you to go. I think you need to go. I think we're going to see something you need to see. I jump in the car with him. We go down there. And there's a 450-pound, 500-pound man that I know. He's one of, my, one of my best friends at one time. He's laying on his wife. She's picking him up and throwing him around, slobbering, saliva coming out of her mouth, her eyes rolling around in her head. She's growling like a dog. I thought, what in the world? And I backed up, and my pastor walked up there and said, get off of her, Henry. Henry looked up at him and scared to death. Get off of her, man. I mean, she's strong and vicious. He got off of her, she come up out of that bed. She looked at my pastor and said, I know you, in a man's voice said, I'm gonna kill you. And he said, you're not gonna kill me. You're gonna come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. Laid his hands on her and she was delivered a demon possession. I seen it with my own eyes. She went, looked up at her, grabbed a hold of him, started loving on him. She looked up at me and she grabbed a hold of me. And I, I was a thin guy back then. She about squeezed me in half. Delivered and set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. The people of this world deserve and desire to have a refuge they can run to where the realness is there, where the power is there 
where it's not just formal, traditional, raw religion that's motivated and orchestrated and driven by the talent of a man. They need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to do something with me just for a few moments this morning. Those of you that are earnestly coveting, wanting, desiring, even those of you that's just looking into it, you don't even understand it, but you want to try to understand it. I just want you to come up here for a moment. I just want you to come. I'll try to preach the rest of that sermon another day. We were going to get into the gifts more, but I just got off chasing rabbits. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry, 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 hungry? How hungry are you? How much do you really want them? You're not going to get them by praying the prayer, oh, Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I praise the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. Praise the Lord my soul to take that sin of it. You got to want them. There's so many needs in this body. That's why we got this Saturday night at 11 o'clock called the Midnight Hour. We want everybody that wants to come, come. If you got an infirmity, you got a sickness, we believe in miracles to take place. We're not trying to conjure something up. We're trying to not mimic something. I feel like I've obeyed the Spirit of the Lord. I even had God speak to me instantly and told me who to get, which would not necessarily have been my first choice necessarily. I thought about having somebody come in for it. And the Lord said, no, this is who I want. I said, okay, don't understand it, but okay. He's going to do a fine job. He's anointed of God. It just, I thought I'd have a big top-name person come in. God's going to use Craig Reynolds for the glory of the Lord that Saturday night. Amen? One of our own. I'm here to tell you that this body's depending on people like you to push through that veil of desire and say, God, when you start putting the hunger in me, get that hunger so hot and boiling in my life to build an intensity to where there's no turning back. I gotta have it. Give me such a crave, a hunger, like a starving dog after a bone. Let me want it that bad. David put it this way. As a deer penneth after the water book, O Lord, let my soul panteth after you. I want it that bad as a a thirsty deer that's running from its adversary, so parched, so dry, it panteth after a water but needs the water so bad. Even so, Lord, let my soul panteth after you. Let me want this more than I want necessary food to sustain my body. I want it, God. Let the crave of the Spirit be stronger than the crave of flesh. The crave of flesh can be so strong, so enticing, so real. Let that be just as real in my spirit. Ask God to start that process in your life right now. Ask Him to do it. Say, God, start the process. I'm here. I'm eager. Let me be hungry. Come on, church. You got to pray if you want it. You can't just come up here. You got to want it. 
You got to unlock the key. You got to unlock the door. You got to give him permission. He's a holy guest. He he will not violate your free will. You got to say, I want it. Say, I let me decrease that you might increase. Oh God, fill me. Use me in the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of your mind and your power. Don't let me just depend upon my arm of flesh. Don't let me depend upon my own humanity and my own talents. But everything I do, let it be done with prayer and supplication and let me do it in the Spirit. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit right now. Lord, let the Holy Spirit now begin to sweeten the people's spirit. Begin to operate now, even God, in the people's lives as they get close to you. Begin to stir and move and change and mold and shape. God, begin to take out and put in. Begin to father the process of sanctification in every life that we might be stirred to jealousy for the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, God, as Israel's being stirred by the Gentiles, let us be stirred to jealousy for the things of God. Oh, God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, right now I pray over this congregation and I pray, Father, that this is the beginning of a movement, of of a change, God, in the church that we would rise up and that the gifts would begin to just automatically begin to just start flowing severally as you will throughout this body. God, you anointed the early church and you're wanting to anoint the latter church with just the same signs and wonders and miracles. God, in Hebrews 2, 4 says, and God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Do it for us, Father. Give, the, give us the gifts and let you bear witness of them and let us see the manifested glory of your power in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I was going to close, but before I do, just lift your hands, everybody. Take a moment of quietness and just worship him. Oh, he's here so sweet and gentle. How the gifts can come so easily. Oh, wonderful Lord. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, move upon your people. Let us not be denied, oh God. Let us keep knocking. Let us keep asking. Let us keep seeking. Let us be like the widow and the unjust judge. Let us just keep coming before your throne and coming before your throne. Don't let us back up. Don't let us get weary and well-doing because we'll reap if we faint not. Help us to endure and have persistence. Create that holy zeal in us, God. Oh, God, I just pray it. I feel it, Lord. I feel it happening. Let that holy zeal take place a fire, ignite a fire in the hearts of men and women and children. Let us see the gifts operate in the children as we have in days of old. When we've seen the gifts operate through small children in this church, let it happen again. Restore the gifts and a bountiful multiply it, Lord, among us at the palace of praise. We pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Now hug someone's neck and tell them you love them. Say, go with the grace. And come out and support our Crossway ministry tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.